Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. You're listening in on 8.55am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Today from the Brainwaves team, we have Helen, no, sorry, we don't, we have Alana and Suzanne. Um, So Wellways has a long and valued history of people sharing their experience of mental health issues and disability as a way of creating community awareness and social change. Each year, Wellways hosts an annual Bruce Woodcock Memorial Lecture to discuss current mental health issues. This year's theme is sharing stories, changing lives, with Uncle Jack Charles as the keynote speaker. Uncle Jack is an inspirational and passionate orator who informs and encourages people to examine aspects of their life and society to seek opportunities for transformation and growth. Brainwaves will be running a series of three shows where we will be chatting with a speaker from the Woodcock Lecture on the topic of transformative storytelling. Transformative storytelling is the act of listening to other individuals sharing their experience of mental illness, who may learn how harmful social exclusion and stigma can be. They feel empathy, they might revise their own prejudices and stigma, and they might reflect on their own experience of emotional and experimental ups and downs. For people who have a lived experience of mental illness or of being a supporter, family member or carer, Hearing from other people's stories can be a powerful affirmation of their own experiences and can assist them in their own recovery. So Brainwaves would like to welcome Joel to the show, who is a mental health peer worker, inspirational speaker, mental health advocate, and our first guest for the Transformative Transformative Storytelling Series. Thanks so much, Joel, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, So thank you for coming on the show. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the role you play within the mental health community? Yeah, sure. Um, so thanks for having me, guys. Um, so yeah, um, my name's Joel. Um, basically, um, I am a peer worker, but the the main thing for me is advocacy. Yeah? Um, mental health is something that I've struggled with pretty much most most of my life, if not all of my life, um, and it's something I hold very close to my heart. So I think all the harder times that I went through um, went for nothing so um, I like to be able to put it back out in a positive kind of way and be able to tell my story um, I think is a very powerful thing and um, yeah so that's kind of what I do yeah. (laughs) Thank you Joel for sharing that. so it's Suzanne here, and um, Joel, can you tell us a bit, if you wouldn't mind, a bit about your own mental health journey? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm 34 years old. Um, I wasn't diagnosed with um, anything till um, 2005 when I was first placed in a psychiatric unit, um, which was awesome. Not, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but mental illness was definitely prevalent in my life from an uh, early age, maybe you know, before my second digits, um, always struggled with anxiety, um, kind of paranoid feelings, you know, that low flat, flat feeling you kind of get with like a, feels like there's like a cloud over your head. 
And um, that just kind of developed through throughout, you know, um, high school into my 20s. And um, we all have coping strategies, yeah? Um, my coping strategy for a very long time was a negative one. It was drugs. And um, I used copious amounts to try to squash, push down all my thoughts and emotions because I didn't want to feel anything. I wanted to... I just want, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with the emotions that were coming into my head. So I tried to squash them and pretend they didn't exist. And I did that for a very long time till actually 10 years ago. So, um, and that's when my recovery started and I started to slowly, but surely, um, get my life back on track and, um, I'm still in recovery. I think it, in some form or way I will be in recovery in some way. Um, just, um, I guess there's different um levels to it so i guess like now like um i need a bit of medication i need some psychotherapy you know i need a, um, a worker a fam's worker i need a number of things like that but maybe in say 10 years time i might um not need medication and i might be able to um sustain myself um, mentally with just maybe mindfulness and meditation or something like that so i'm always striving to get weller so it's a continuous not so much battle but more of a journey now so yeah but it's interesting (laughs) yeah yeah um have you overcome any social barriers or right violations during your journey and how did you overcome these yeah um look there especially earlier on um when i was first i was first diagnosed with schizophrenia in um as i said 2005 in my first psych unit stay one of many to come and hopefully none more <laughs> um but yeah like from there from there on um quite often I felt very stigmatized you know I was known as you know um like psycho Joel or rehab Joel or you know schizo Joel or all those words you know and that didn't become my identity but to other people that's all I was and that's all I was going to be and that did kind of that did that did it did hurt yeah um but I guess I guess as time goes on I I built up resilience I guess and not so much looking outwards but kind of inwards and knowing that the only way I'm going to get through and not just get through but enjoy this life is to um is to look inwards and to go come from the inside, not to kind of um, go off um, what other people think or, um, yeah, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Joel. Um, how did you go about seeking the right supports and therapies for yourself? Yeah, sure. So as I said, like, um, you know, Um, mental illness was prevalent in my life for you know for a very long time maybe eight or nine years old um straight up and um I didn't seek any help till um 2007 um and that's when when I got clean and that's when my recovery started so I slowly but surely um got back on my feet so to speak yeah um first three years of my recovery was basically spent holed up at my mum's house, um, you know, blankets up on the window, couldn't talk to anyone because my anxiety was through the roof, my paranoia was through the roof, delusional kind of thinking, um, voices, things like that. Um, 
And it kind of took, um, I'm a big believer in social inclusion and so, and keeping, keeping socially active is a massive thing that's kept me well. So once I kind of started to delve out further out of, outside of that, um, bedroom, outside of that house and started to, you know, talk to doctors, talk to people, get involved with groups and things like that. That's when I started to really, um, start to understand who I was and start to really, really want to get better. That's when my drive got really, really strong. Now there were a lot of, it was, you heard the word of baby steps a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of baby steps and there's lots of ups and downs and there still is. But the thing that mainly sustains me now is would definitely be my, um, being socially inclusive. So that could be for me as simple as having like, for instance, I have a doctor's appointment on Friday at 2 PM. Um, this morning I saw my fam's worker, Marie, um, if I didn't keep to those appointments, um, as basic as they are, my, um, I would probably stay home and just not exist, just pretend like yeah. nothing was going on. And I would get worse and worse and worse. My anxiety would get worse. My paranoia would get worse. And I would work myself up into a, into basically into curling into a bowl in the corner. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so learning to um, look after myself um, and me doing it for me has been a massive learning curve over the years. And it's not like everything is perfect now, but for me right now, it's good. And I continue to strive to get better. So that's why my recovery is, I kind of think of it like as a, it's like an open-ended book, a book without an end. It's the chapter after chapter. And but I'm writing the chapters and I've got a bit more, not say control, but I've got more, um, I've got more, um, I've got more focus on it myself. It's not just floating around and me kind of randomly grabbing at it. It's me making the decisions and kind of working along, working with my mental illness, working with my addictive traits, as opposed to going against them and fighting them and making it all a heap worse. Yeah. Yep. Um, I know we touched on this before talking about um, your social barriers, um, but how did you actually go about um, reclaiming your identity, uh, your personal power and finding your life's pathway? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, that definitely would have happened over the years. Um, as I said, like my my identity started to get tainted, you know, in a negative way when I was first diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, but I think it was my, my, my willingness to, to want to get better. My willingness to, my, my, I think I, I've got a lot of tenacity. So that's pulled me through, um, some of the more harder times and some of the stigma or a lot of the stigma that I've come across over the years, whether it be from family or friends or just um, people you might meet and um, they kind of categorize you in a box. Um, that kind of stuff doesn't phase me anymore because I'm kind of the master of my own universe now. So 
um, people can have their opinions and they always will. But for me, it's, um, it doesn't directly affect me now, but it used to. And it, like anything, it was just, it was just a learning curve. And, um, I think I'm stronger for it. Definitely. So yeah. Out of it, have you? Yeah, but we go with like the, the new perspective that I found. So, um, definitely having mental illness or, for me, um, schizophrenia and dissociative identity disorder, um, namely, um, for me, like it has, um, it's given me a, a different outlook on life. I think um, I see life through a different lens. Um, sometimes it can be scary when um, the paranoia is bad, um, but sometimes it can be a really beautiful thing. Um, I can be really, um, in touch and aware of things, um, you know, creatively, um, you know, and just enjoying things that I not necessarily would enjoy, but I guess I see like the beauty in smaller things. And that's a, a really, um, cool thing because quite often people around me don't notice that. Um, but, but I do. So I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a different, it's a, it's a seeing life through different lens. And it's not to say everyone with schizophrenia has the same experience because it's completely different for every person, um, regardless of their, um, their symptoms or whatever their diagnosis is, um, or if they don't even have a diagnosis, but they have symptoms. So, um, it's a different world, um, um, through the life of having um, a mental illness. So yeah, that's the kind of, that's the kind of sense I get. So from that and the question, so. Thank you for explaining. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good response. Oh, good, good. Thank you. Um, I I understand like sharing your mental health experience may be hard, but have you had um, much experience of sharing it with other people in society? Yeah, I actually have. So through Wellways, um, so since 2015, I've been on the Speakers Bureau team. So basically that's, um, it's a bunch of us, just like you guys, a um, bunch of us guys, we're all trained up to um, talk about our lived experience of um, mental illness and um, very much like this um, storytelling, um, talking about our experiences and talking about mainly um, recovery and how we are able to sustain our lives, how we, what we, what mental help, what mental tools we use to keep um, ourselves well and um, how life kind of goes on and how to deal with that, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, that can involve, you know, going out to schools, talking, um, you know, at universities, um, yeah, all kinds of all kinds of places like that. So and recent and recently, um, you know, I'm getting more into peer education. So you know, running workshops and things like that, and also um, yeah, yeah, just things like that. Just being out in the community, and um, I think being able to tell your story, um, whatever it is, rawly, openly, and transparently is a very powerful thing. Be- because it's, that's something that no one can take away from you. And if you're open, raw, honest about it and you don't sugarcoat it, people get a lot out of it, especially the younger kids. Like, you know, say, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, you know, they're really, 
they don't want to be talked down to. They just want someone to. They just like they they like to hear like what it what it actually is like to struggle with certain things, like struggle with you know, mental illness or struggle with addiction traits. You know, all those kinds of things. Um. So yeah. Hmm. Thanks, uh, Joel. Um, so, you're welcome. Uh, I guess what, what you're saying is, you know, you're just keeping it real and telling it like it is. <clears throat> yeah, keeping it real. <laughs> people respect you when, when you, you talk from the heart, don't they? Yeah, they do, yes. So, which brings me to my next question. Um, what do you think the impact of sharing your story or stories has been on others? Yeah, so that would definitely, massively on some people, It, I guess it varies, it really does. And it's it's hard to kind of... Um, gauge that because quite often I will be speaking to say like a group of year 11 year 12 so there might be um, you know 60 to 90 students in there like you know a couple of classrooms worth or there could be like recently I was down in in Bendigo and we did um, we spoke at their um, their year 10 summer I think or whatever it was called but there was literally (laughs) there was good there's a good 200 300 students in there yeah and um, you don't know who it directly affects right to the heart, but you could see on their faces that they were all very attentive, all listening, and they're all pulling something out of it. And you can always tell um, by the questions because um, some of the questions, you know, they're, they're very, very personal and you can tell it's, it's you know, it's obviously something that's affecting their life, not either, not either, not necessarily directly, but maybe through a family member or a friend or something like that. But um, I think if we look closer, mental uh, mental illnesses, um, you know, they're they it's it's very much it's all around us. Not necessarily you you might like that whoever's listening <laughs> might not be diagnosed with a, a mental illness. But I'm sure if you think about it, you know someone that is diagnosed with a mental illness or suffers from mental illness symptoms. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. I kind of went off, off on, on a little tangent then. Oh, Sorry, that's okay. So, yeah. I think we're going to allow for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is some of the feedback that you've received from sharing your story? Um, yeah, good, good feedback. Yeah, yeah, good feedback. I think, again, being... Um, open and transparent with my story mm. um that's probably the the key to it being a to, to it to it you know being not necessarily life-changing but to it actually making a, an impact on mm. on either the student or the participants in the in in the group or whatever it is so yeah 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 just um, on the same topic of storytelling, um, what's been the most powerful story that you've heard along your your uh, you know trails, and how how did that change you? So have you have you had any other stories from peers or just out doing your advocacy work that has really moved you that you can think of? I know we're sort of putting you on the spot there. Yeah, but... yeah. No, I'm actually thinking right now. So it's not actually a peer worker or anything, but I was a, I was recently at a high school. And it was a student-run initiative, so um, it was at lunchtime, and they basically had um, 
you know, areas about epilepsy, areas about mental illness, areas about, you know, different, you know, like um, heart disease, different, different health issues. And my corner was kind of for people to come over and to talk to me about what was going on in their lives and me to talk back to them and just kind of have a dialogue. And there was... I'm not going to name the school or anything or the students, but there were there were a couple of students that came to me, these two young year sevens, maybe year eights, and they were talking about their, their family um, problems. And one of them, the, the things he told me, like, that he was going through and that he'd been through um, in the last few months were, were, was enough to really put shocks through me. And because he just told me it so openly and honestly about the kind of horrid stuff that was going on at home like you know with domestic violence and things like that and and that really that that's really stuck with me like even now like it puts a lump in my throat just thinking about it so for me going out there and talking openly and honestly as I've said I've said like three or four times now but it's so important because it opens up dialogue with students like I was just talking about, and it gives them a voice. And I think that is so important um, for all of us. So, yeah. Um, just finally, um, as you're aware, the annual Bruce Woodcock Memorial Lecture will be held on Wednesday, the 11th of October. And um, what are you looking forward to most about the lecture? And also, could you just give us um, a brief comment on what you would say to individuals listening to um, this show um, who have a mental illness and who might be considering speaking out um, to people? Yeah. Um, so the, the main thing that I'll be looking forward to about the, the actual lecture will be taking my beautiful mum. Um, <laughs> she's probably going to embarrass if she's hearing <laughs> this, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to taking her there. Um <laughs> But it's it's a good place. To, it's a good it's a good time of year for everyone to kind of get together. There's no hierarchy or anything like that. Um, basically, we are all we all come together as one people, and we are able to share our stories together, talk about um, certain issues, problems, good things. There's all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Joel, for coming back thanks, to Brainwaves yeah, and thanks. sharing your story with us. Thank um, you. Hope you've enjoyed coming back. I've loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I've loved it. It's been great. Um, so as we mentioned, the annual Bruce Woodcock Memorial Lecture will be held on Wednesday, the 11th of October from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Arts Centre in Melbourne. The theme this year is Sharing Stories, Changing Lives with Uncle Jack Charles as the keynote speaker. If you want to find more information, head to eventbrite.com. Um, so that's all we have time for. If you want to find more of Brainwaves, you can head to brainwaves.org.au. The 3CR website also has all our podcasts, 3cr.org.au, and they're also on iTunes. Next week, we'll be doing another episode in our transformative storytelling series. So listen in next Wednesday at 5 p.m. on 8.55 a.m.